And we're going to have some fun this morning. Y'all ready to have some fun? Good. Here's how we're going to start. You ready? How many of you in this room ever worry about things? Pastor, you said fun. You bring up worry. That's not fun. Come on, be real with me. Be honest. How many of you worry about things? Come on. Stretch your hand. I worry about stuff. Some of y'all are not going to raise your hand. This is interactive church. I believe in interactive church. Uh, I believe in, in response. You can talk back to me. Just don't scream at me. Amen. Okay. Uh, uh, I, we, we all deal with worry. Worry creates anxiety. Anxiety creates fear. Fear creates depression. So if you can kind of walk the line with me for a second, if you end up in the place of depression, it usually starts at the place of worry. Whether we worry all the time or just some of the time, all of us at some moment worry about something. Some of you are worrying about things right now while I'm preaching. After that amazing time of worship, you're worrying about things right now. You're sitting in here ready to hear the word and you've just come out of an amazing time of worship, and still you're worrying about stuff like, how am I going to pay my bills? Y'all think I don't know? Y'all think I haven't seen some people in here balancing checkbooks while I'm preaching? <laughs> Calculating numbers? No, I, I know how this thing works. So, some of us are asking, are, are, are worrying about, well, what's the doctor's report going to be when, when I get it next week? Or, or, or what's tomorrow going to be like? Or I wish I looked better this morning. Or I, I wish my hair looked better. Or I wish I would have worn a different, why did my husband let me walk out looking like this this morning? Uh, uh, I hope my child is not the bad kid in kids' church this morning. I, I, did I wear enough deodorant? Does the neighbor next to me smell me or do I smell pleasant? Come on, work with me for a second. There are things we worry about. What, what am I going to eat for lunch today? Y'all all know when it gets to about 1120, y'all are wondering that already. You're worried about whether or not you're going to make it in or how long you're going to have to wait before you can get a table. Come on, work with me. Or, or some of you are worried about what's going to happen today in the game and what are we going to do without Drew Brees? I told y'all this is interactive church, baby. And we're sitting in service, we're sitting in the presence of God, and yet we are still worrying. Worry is a part of who we are. Worry is a part of our structure. Worry is a part of the complexities of what we do. And the truth be told is that worry is not of God. Worry is all about you. We go, well, I'm worrying about somebody else. No, you're worrying about them, and you're worrying about them is worrying you. Worry does nothing for anyone else but you. And we're so stuck in it. And, 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 and could, wouldn't you love to come to a church service on a Sunday morning and not worry? Wouldn't you love to get up on a Sunday morning like it is in my house with four kids who wake up very slowly and not worry about whether or not you're going to get to church on time? This is hence why my wife and I come in separate cars because I can't deal with that. So when she comes to church, she's like, I'm going to kill them. It's okay. We can say that. God's not mad at us for wanting to kill the kids. Okay, amen. He understands. He gets it. All right. But, but there is a danger. There is a danger when we can come boldly before the presence of God and still have worry. There, there is a danger when we can go through worship and declare, you have no rival. You have no equal. No greater name is yours. And, and we, we declare all these great things and, 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 and raise a hallelujah. Yet you're raising a worry. It's amazing we can sit and we can declare and we can shout and we can scream and we can yell. And then as soon as it's over, we go right back to the world of worry. Some of the guys in the room are worrying whether they're going to win their fantasy football game today. 
I've heard so many people, I had Antonio Brown on my team. Well, you dummy, you shouldn't have drafted him. I, have, I had Drew Brees. And my wife told me the other day, it's a conspiracy. I'm like, my God, help us all. Okay, we, we all go through these things. We all, we all have these worries, but worry is not God's plan for your life. And when I say worry, I don't mean you're necessarily running around screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you get worried. The definition of worry is this. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. Can we break that down? You think too much. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipating. Definition, you think more than God does. God doesn't worry. So if you're worrying, that means you're thinking more than God is. That means your, com your complexity of your existence is greater than what God's is in your life. God, I hit a page. Sorry, I had to go back. I'm sorry. I don't know about you, but there have been and are things that worry me at times. And, and I'm pretty open about the things that I worry about. I don't mind telling you the struggles I go through. I don't mind telling you the moments I have. I don't mind telling you that, yes, I, up, I stand up here and declare faith, but it doesn't mean the enemy doesn't try to sneak in in the midnight hour to create doubt and concern and worry in my head and in my heart. doesn't mean that I don't have to fight the good fight of faith just because I stand up here as your pastor. In fact, sometimes I think I fight it more. Now, I'm not trying to say that my problems are bigger than yours. I just feel like sometimes the enemy just puts all-out war on me. I feel that way sometimes. Now, you might feel the same way. Oh, pastor, you, you're, yours is nothing compared to mine. You're right. I'm not trying to fight who's got the bigger war. What I'm telling you is in my world, my war is the biggest. Come on, work with me for a second because some of you, your war is the biggest. You're like, Pastor, I don't understand. He doesn't know what I'm going through. You're right. I don't. I have no clue, but you don't know mine either. So let's just have our wars, but let's stop worrying about them. But how do you have a war without worrying about it? You finally understand that you're not the one who fights the war. God is. Worry comes when you keep trying to fight wars that were never intended for you to fight. When you step off and you let God have control, worry goes away. But when you start worrying about things, you need to understand that you have entered yourself as number one in the fight rather than letting the fight be God's and you being the victorious one. Oh, so this morning, I want to preach to you a little message I've entitled, and I'm going to be doing this for the next few weeks because I want to break down this scripture called Don't Worry. Come on, y'all can bob your head. It's all right. We're not going to hell for playing Bobby McFerrin in church. Some of y'all need this this morning. Turn that song up. This is prophetic. This is a move of God right here. Listen. See, some of y'all been looking at me all angry. Now all of a sudden you smile. Look, see? Uh-huh. I got you. A little song I wrote. Sing it. Might want to sing it. Not Come on, you know it. Don't worry. Ah, there it is. Be happy. Robert Don't sing. worry. Be happy now. Pastor, you lost your mind. You're right. <laughs> but sometimes you just got to get over the stuff you're in the middle of. 
and just let go long enough to put a smile on your face and understand that you're not going to beat it, but God will. Sometimes you just got to sit back and dance through your struggles. Why do you think David danced before the Lord? Because he saw what was in front of him and knew he couldn't conquer it. But maybe through his dance, he could find some joy in the moment. Bobby McFerrin says, don't worry, be happy. And while it sounds so easy, sometimes it can be so difficult. Pastor, that song sounds so big. Don't worry, be happy. But, but how do you become happy and not worry? Well, I need you to know, first of all, that the happiness that you're looking for to overcome your worry is found in God, in the God you serve and nowhere else. Stop looking for it everywhere else. Over the next few weeks, I want to share with you the keys to overcome worry that I have found in the Word of God. So are you ready? The book of Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, this is where we're going to be for the next few weeks. And I hope and pray by the time we're done, we all going to come in going, Wee-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I'm so glad I can sing on pitch. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. About to hit an off key. Pastor Ben like, what? It's okay. Psalms 37, verse 1 through 8. I want to read this whole context of scripture, and then we're going to start breaking this down over the next few weeks because I need you to break the spirit of worry off of your life. And can I just tell you this? This is something that fights in our family too. Amen. So if you think that because I'm pastor and my wife and I don't deal with this, try again. My wife even told me, she's like, I'm going to go listen to this message when we're done preaching today. Because she's in kids' church serving. She goes, I need to hear this. Because we all, ladies, can I ask a question? And I don't mean this rudely. But do y'all worry? You know what I've noticed over the years? I've noticed that women worry out loud. Men worry in private. No, and that's not a slam. That's true. Men, we go, oh, ain't no big deal. Oh, my God. (laughs) Baby, stop worrying. We do it privately because we're men. We don't worry. Okay, well, I'm standing up here taking off my, my, my man card and going, hey. This brother worries sometimes. Amen? So let's get all on the same page. Let's pull all the bravados down. Let's all join the same clan. So next time your wife goes, I'm worried, you go, ah, and do it right to her face and watch her freak out. <laughs> what, what's wrong? I'm worried too. So then everybody's on the same page and you can just worry together. Amen? Because if you worry together, you'll get victorious together. All right, Psalm 37, verse, that wouldn't even have noticed. That was a sidebar. You can write that one down for later. Amen. Psalm 37, verse 1 through 8 says this. You ready? Do not fret, parentheses, worry, because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Mm. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, worry. It only causes harm. So this morning, I want to start breaking this verse down. Y'all ready for this? Psalms 37, go back to verse 1. I'm only going to sit on this space for just a second, but I want to give it to you. It says in verse 1 and 2, it says, Do not fret or worry because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Let me, let me, let me. Try to say I'm not going to be here long, but I don't know. It could be the whole message. Amen. Can I just tell you what is one of the biggest culprits of worry in most people's existence? 
what everybody else has. We live in a culture today where you don't have to find out what people have. You can literally hit a button and see it all. Or see what they want you to see when they really don't have what they think you have. Okay. It's kind of like this. Well, I I don't understand how they get to take trips all the time and we barely can make ends meet. Anybody ever said that? Oh, work with me. Don't play with me this morning. We've said that. Okay, my wife and I are like, oh, we serve God and we can't even go on a vacation. You got to go seriously. Shut up. Okay, that's how he talks to me. Um, but, but, but we get caught up and we say, God, but God, we're serving you. God, we're living our lives for you. God, we've given you everything that we are and, and yet they're being blessed, but, but their reward is here and your reward is there. Ah, we're so caught up in getting what we want now. We want, we want everything now. We want the big house, the big car. We want, we want the fancy job. We want all this great stuff. We want more money in the bank account. Let me help you with something real quick. More money in the bank account means you just buy more stuff. Ah, I hate to break it to you. Well, no, if I had money, I would be safe and I would feel comfortable. No, you wouldn't. You'd find more things to buy. That's how I would be. I like tech. I like gadgets. Give me some money. I'm going to buy some stuff. Amen. Y'all ever do that joke or that that conversation or the hypothetical hope one day question if you won the lottery? How would you spend it? (laughs) I got a lot of ideas. And and, and so we we, we walk through this life of of worrying about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else has. And and, and I'm going to say this and not to hurt the feelings of of those of you that love social media and love Facebook and love Instagram. But let me help you with something. If Facebook and Instagram have become a place that makes you worry, please turn it off. If it fights with your level of faith to believe that all things are possible through God, shut that sucker down. Because here's the problem. You are basing God's blessings on someone else's haves and your have-nots. Rather than what God wants to put in your life. And then you end up limiting what God wants to do because you want what he or she had rather than what God wants to put in your life. We, 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 we're, back in the day, we dreamt about what we could have. Now we complain about what we don't have. Because everything is visual now. Everything in our existence is visual. Somebody gets a new car, we get mad. Why? Well, I didn't get a new car. Instead of celebrating that someone got a new car because you understood that if God can bless them, baby, he can bless me. Y- y'all ever see people that are in the world in sin and you're like, how do they have all of that? I'm just trying to make ends meet. How did they get there? Can I just be honest? Selling your soul will get you whatever you want here. But when you give your heart to Christ, God will reward you with what he wants you to have while you walk this walk. But we've become materialistic. Come on, work with me for a second. We've become so materialistic, so caught up in what everything else in the world is doing that we have forgotten to trust the blessings of God in our lives. I love what the message version says. It says, don't bother your heads with braggarts. Or wish you could succeed like the wicked. In no time, they'll shrivel like grass clippings and wilt like cut flowers in the sun. I was reading another version of a, a book that I have in my office. It is, is a, uh, he's passed away now. His name was Rob Lacey, but he wrote this book called Word on the Street. And he took scripture and he kind of broke it down in just very clear vernacular. And he says, listen, they're going to die too. Let it go. Because what they have doesn't mean they're going to live longer. Oh. Because what we've done is we've taken things or what everybody else has and equaled it to life. But material items don't bring life. They just bring more stuff. Tiff and I are in this space right now where we're, we're literally looking at everything and we're downsizing. 
Pastor, why would you want to downsize? Because I got six of us, Jack. That's a lot of stuff. You know, you move from house to house, and all of a sudden you realize you got a lot more junk than you needed. Judas asked me today, he said, Dad, what's in the attic? I said, nothing. I don't ever want to put anything in an attic another day in my life. He said, why? I said, because that's where things disappear. And then you go move and you go, where did that come from? I don't need all that stuff. I don't, I don't need to worry about it. I like a minimalistic. I like to get rid of stuff. I, I, like, to, I like to purge. My, my idea of purge is the trash comes on Thursday. My wife doesn't like the fact the trash comes on Thursday. Because things end up at the trash can, and she's like, wait, wait, what are you doing? No, we don't need it. We haven't looked at it in six months. We don't need it. Amen. Because I'm not going to worry about it. I don't have time to worry about it. Don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing. Get caught up in what God wants to do in you. Stop worrying who made it to the platform. Stop worrying about who served in the ushers and greeters or who got nominated or stuck behind a spotlight. Who don't stop. Just do you, and God will reward you in due season. Stop trying to be somebody better than you are right now. Trust God to walk you through it and let promotion come from him. We are too busy trying to keep up with the Joneses. Somebody says, Pastor, well, do you want a big old church? I don't even care. I just want to preach. I just want to pastor. I just want to do God's work. That's just it. And if whatever he wants to do, that's up to him. I don't get up and worry about, oh, did, 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 did everybody show up? Did, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to do? I don't care. I don't have time to care. Because watch this, watch this. I'll just take it to the perspective of me being pastor. Ready? If I worry about whether the church succeeds or not, then the church belongs to me and not to God. This is his house. It is not Brian's house. Yes, I am the steward of this house, but I do not have the ownership. I do not have the deed on this house. God does, and whatever he chooses to do is on him. I have to trust him in everything. So let's get into verse 3 real fast. This, I want to give you these pieces, and I'm going to break these pieces down. Today I'm going to give you three of them, and then we'll continue on next week. So let's start in verse 3, and I'm going to break verse 3 down in three different ways. So let's start with the very beginning. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, I, I'm gonna, I told you it's interactive Sunday, so I need you to holler at me. And staff, you can't jump in on this one. I need to hear it from the people. Amen. And it's because they'll always jump in and throw things at me. Get, throw, out, throw out to me a word real quick that you define as the word trust. A word that you kind of collate with the word trust. Somebody throw honesty, faith, okay. Integrity, okay. Reliability, all right. Come on, come on. Security. Come on, anybody else? It gets, I'm going to call it the quiet sections of the room in a second. Reliable, okay. All right. Anybody else in the back? No, okay. Got it, okay. So every word that you just gave me, you're dead on. What you defined as trust is right. Because the word trust is defined as this in Webster's Dictionary, to have confidence, faith, or hope in someone or something. That is true level of trust. But here's another definition of the word trust. An arrangement in which someone's property or money is legally held or managed by someone else or by an organization such as a bank for usually a set period of time. When I was reading this and God was showing this in the scripture, he says, I know you have faith and confidence in me, but will you invest in me? Because here's the truth of it. Faith and confidence says, God, give me. Investment says, God, I'll place it in you. I'll put myself in your hands. I'll put my marriage in your hands. I'll put my finances in your hands. I'll put everything I do in you and sit back and let you do it. That is trusting the Lord. 
but yet we want to say, God, give me because I have faith that you'll give me. And God says that is not trust. Trust is when you invest in the relationship because if you've invested in the relationship, you don't ever think I'll fail you. An arrangement in which someone, property or money, is legally held or managed by someone else. I know we're talking about money here, but, but the truth be told is, have you invested yet? Has it cost you yet? Just because God paid the price for you with his son doesn't mean it doesn't cost you something to have the relationship. Have you invested? Yeah, well, I invest my time on Sundays. That's not investment. The devil did that this morning. But well, just be honest with you for a second because the devil comes to church. Work with me. Anybody ever got in the car on the way to church and argue with your spouse? Yeah, that was the enemy on the way to church with you. He doesn't care you're going to church. I'll go with you. Sometimes he comes in the church. Hello. But, 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 but we, we don't want to talk about that because we just say, no, we just have to have faith and confidence in the one day that God will do it. So I'll just put my hand out in one day and I'll just turn my back like this. Hey, God, I'm waiting on you. The problem with this position is this is not this position. This is this position. How do you receive from God? This is the position you assume. This is not the position you assume. Because this tells God how great he is and what he's capable of. This tells God what he hasn't done yet. And this is how we typically approach God a lot of times. We go, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Why didn't you give it to me? God, God, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Because we're like this rather than understanding that he's already given us everything. See, this is a sign of complete trust. This is a sign of you don't have enough yet. And, and, and unfortunately, this is the way we've become because it's, it's in every element of not only the Christian walk, but even the church. It said, give me, 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 give me. Why didn't you give to me? Why did you give to them? Trust is not just a hope and a confidence. It's an investment. The word invest is defined as this, to put valuable resources into something that you expect will give you a personal or financial gain. What you put in, you get out. What you put in, you get out. Okay, okay well, so, so watch this, watch this, watch this. So do you think that just attending church is investment? For church is the celebration of the believer and the winning of the lost that don't know him. That is what church was created for. If church is the culmination of every bit of your investment, you are in trouble. Because tomorrow morning when you wake up without investment, there will be nothing that you can withdraw. And I'm going to say this because I was sitting there thinking about this in the car the other day. I was driving uh, down Highway, uh, what was that, Interstate 12. And I was thinking about my week and I was thinking about everything I had done this week. And I went, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't invest as much as I think I should have. See, here's the truth. You know when the bank account is depleted. Oh, you got an app. You check it. I know. You, you know what's in the account, right? You, you know. If, if I asked you right now how much money is in your bank account, I guarantee most of you in this room could tell me down to the penny what's in your bank account. Because you've probably checked it this morning. Can I get an amen from somebody? You've checked it. No, Pastor, I don't check it. I don't ever check it. Liar. You can't pay bills if you don't know what's in the bank account. Amen. You've checked, you've checked, you know what's in the account. If you have a business, you know what's in that account because you know what you got to handle. You got to know what you got to deal with. Here's the problem. Do we ever check to see how much we've invested with God? Do we ever 
look into it. And I'm not talking about like God will only give you if you invest a certain amount. He just says invest. He didn't give you a dollar amount. He just said invest. Invest what? I didn't say your money. So put your money, put your pocketbooks away. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. Because your life is worth more than rubies and silver and gold. He wants you. He wants the investment of you. Have you invested with God? And if you went to God to find out how much was in your account, would there be anything in there? Have you taken out more than you've put in? What I mean by that is that we go to God and 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 God says, God says, but Brian, we haven't even talked all week. You, have, you, you just haven't, you haven't even told me good morning. That's like waking up with my wife on a morning and just looking and going, huh. And then expecting her to be happy with me. There is relationship here. And this is, this is the thing that God's been dealing with me on, is that there, there is this thing that he is trying to work in us is a greater relationship. Not a greater work, a greater relationship. If we would be greater, better at our relationship with him, just going to him, spending time with him. And I don't mean sitting in your closet for three and a half hours so you can seem holy and righteous. I mean, get in your car, sit down. Good morning, God. Hey, God, I'm going to turn the radio off, turn the phone off. I'm going to disconnect for the next 30 minutes on my way into work, and you and I are going to have some time the next five minutes, the next two minutes, whatever it is. Will you just make the investment? Because, baby, all you got to do is put something in the account, and God will dump himself on you. That's all he's asking. He's not saying, listen, whatever you give, I'll give back. He's saying, just put something in. And so I was driving down the Interstate 12, and I was like, you know what? Man, I... You know that feeling when your bank account's empty? I felt that way. Pastor, no. You're the pastor. You're not supposed to feel that way. No, I felt that way. It was like Friday, this Friday. And I was like, God, I just, I don't feel right. What is that? And he said, Brian, I've been waiting for you to invest. I just needed a little bit. And other things have come in and distracted you and things have happened throughout your week. Can I just say this to you? We have a tendency to invest at the last moment, hoping we'll make the marker rather than investing all week long so that when we get to the end of our week, we find rest. Ah, I'm not trying to. I, listen, I don't live in that fear of not satisfying God. God loves me. Even at my worst, he loves me. Okay, and I get that. But now that I know that he loves me, shouldn't I have a desire to invest in a relationship? I love my son, and my son loves me. But if I don't invest in a relationship, we're going to go two separate ways when he gets older. It's the same way with us. It's like, why do, why do we keep separating from God? Because we've invested in everything else, but we've not invested in the Father. Judah invests in me. I was it this week? I, I, I don't mean to tell you all my stuff, but, but I pulled my back out. You wouldn't know it right now, but I'm, I'm hurting. Amen. But don't, I'm fine because I'm good. God's good. Okay? I'm not worried. Amen. I, I, was, I was in pain. I was sitting on the chair. I, I've, I've had these weird moments throughout my life, and, and all of a sudden, I, I, I turned around to change a trash bag. And my head went, what? And I went crooked. And I went, oh, that stinks. Okay. So my daughter walks in, my, my five-year-old walks in. And I'm, she sees the facial expressions on me. She's like, Daddy. I went, yes, baby. She goes, are you okay? And, and my five-year-old, she puts her hand on my back and starts rubbing my back. She's like, do you need me to make you some water? 
And, and this is kind of funny. I'll just show you. You know those little things that you make? I don't know what you call them, but they're like triangles, and you, you, you do this thing with them. I, well, anybody know what they're called anyway? If you don't know what they're called, whatever. Uh, but they're like you, you, you pick numbers, and you one, two, three, four, five. Okay. So my daughter runs and grabs hers, and she comes back and says, Dad, if I do this, your back's going to feel better. <laughs> now, now, here's the truth of it. I was stuck in my pain. She wasn't worried about my pain. She was trying to get me to cross over beyond my pain. She wasn't worried, but what made her decide to do that? Relationship. She wanted her daddy to be okay, and because of the relationship that her and I have, she invested in a moment. She could have gone to her room and played and watched the TV and done whatever she wanted to do, but in that moment where I was, she invested in. Let me help with something. Investment doesn't come when things are good. Investment comes when things are bad. Because that's when it costs you. If all you ever do is invest when God's doing good, then you're never going to see God get you through the bad. Okay, I'm trying, trying, trying to help, trying to help. Okay, uh, uh, worry only comes when we make bad mental or emotional investments. We tend to invest so much into what we can control rather than investing in what he can do. It says in that verse, trust in the Lord and do good. And here's the revelation God gave me. Invest in God and stay consistent with him. It says, trust the Lord and do good. Do good. Be a good steward. Be a good steward with your trust. Be a good steward with your investment. Maintain your investment. Stay consistent. Don't do it one time and think it's going to sustain you the rest of your life. Continue on. Continue on. We have, a, we have a, 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 an investment portfolio that we invest in for retirement one day. If I stop investing, I start losing. Right? It, it, just, it doesn't do what I want it to do at the long term. So we continue to invest into it. Why? Because we know one day there is a a, a outpouring that is coming. But if I go and try to take it out ahead of time, I get hit with fees and lose what I put in. Okay. So maybe what you need to sometimes do is let your investment have some maturity. You cannot withdraw what you are not willing to invest. God, show up. But Brian, I, I just wanted to have coffee with you yesterday. Where were you at? Well, you know, I had to do this and this and this and this, and I had to go buy this for myself and do this for me and da-da-da. And he said, but I just I just want a little bit with you. I, I'll be able to, Pastor, I don't have time. I just don't have time. I don't have time. No, you do have time. You just haven't found out that God's bigger than your time. This is where worry comes into play. We are trying to withdraw from a source that has no investment. Spiritual bankruptcy will always create worry in your spirit. Spiritual bankruptcy will always create worry in your spirit. If you have a struggle with worrying, it's because there is a lack of investment in the spirit in your life. There is a lack of relationship. There's a lack of investment in the relationship. Hey, listen, I, I, I hate to bust your theological bubble or your church to bubble. Church doesn't equate relationship. Wake up on Monday morning, acknowledge he's in the room. Go to work and invite him into the store with you. Work, go, you know, whatever you got to do, but put him in the midst of where you are and invest in it daily so that when trouble comes, he's standing right there and you know he's there rather than you going, go, where'd you go? Because let me help with something. Without investment, you won't be able to see that he's standing next to you. You'll start complaining about where he is. Then here comes the worry. And now you're frustrated and now you're stressed out and now you don't know what to do. Ah, what are we going to do? Drew Brees is out of the game. Who cares? God's the author and finisher of my faith. And thank God, there's not one Saints player that's going to be standing at the Golden Gates letting me in. Okay. Can I go on to one more part? Let's get to the next one. Psalms 37, part 3, or 37, 3, part B. After you trust, 
He says to dwell in the land. Ah, okay, the word dwell is defined as this, to live as a resident. To, to live as a, a resident, not a visitor. <laughs> as a giver, not a taker. As a sharer, not a barrier. Ah, to reside there, to rest there, to take residence. In other words, it creates a title for you. You know, when you live in that neighborhood you wanted to live in, you tell everybody what neighborhood you lived in. Come on, work with me a second. I, I grew up, all my family's from Texas. I don't know if you know this about Texans. You don't have to ask them where they're from. They just tell you. I'm from Texas. And we don't claim a city. We claim the whole state. That's what they they just the whole state, just Texas. We, we, I don't care. We just, but it's like this. You come into Louisiana, and you go, where you live? New Orleans. You don't live in New Orleans. You live in Slidell. But you don't want to take the time to tell everybody where Slidell's at. So you just say, I live in New Orleans. Work with me for a second. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because the moment you say Slidell, like, what? Or, or you hear this. I drove through that one time. I've heard it all. Tell them you're from Picayune. It's even worse. Amen. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, come on, work with me. If you live in Picayune, you know what I'm talking about right now. You're like, yep, we live there. Amen. He says to dwell, to live as a resident. Do, do people know where you live? I got to take these off. They got smudges on. They bother me. Do people know where you live? Do people know where you reside? I know, I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about with God. Yeah. Do people know when they see you, when they talk to you, do they know that you rest in the things of God? Or do they have to wonder whether or not you're going to take residence today? Can I just say this? Please stop renting houses and buy one. Stop renting in the, in the land and just buy a house. You're going to find so much better. Come on, y'all know. How many of you know when you go from renting to owning, it's a big difference? Yeah. When you rent, you can't do what you want to do. But when you own, baby, you can do whatever you want to do to inside that house. That's your house. I can change the floor, the walls, kick a wall out. It doesn't matter. It's my house. But when you rent, you're stuck to someone else's layout. When you go from renting to own, but this is the problem. In the church, we have a tendency to just rent. And then when God doesn't move, we move. Well, I'm going to go find a different pastor to play in. Well, I was, I was a believer, but, you know, God didn't, you know, I just didn't get nothing out of it for me. It's because you didn't take ownership. You just rented the process. You didn't want to build a house or buy a house. You just wanted to hang out for a little bit and receive the blessings and receive the fun and receive the good feelings. And when it all wore out, we rolled on a different way. Unfortunately, that's the condition in the church today is that no one's dwelling. Everyone's just visiting. Now, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people in the church, they're just visiting. They're just, they're just eh, I'm in one minute, I'm gone the next. Listen, if God really has saved you, touched you, blessed you, done amazing things in your life, you don't want to move. So if you end up moving, you've not allowed God to do those things in your life. Well, but, but, but Pastor, I was in the church for 20 years. You could be in the church for 50 years and still never see God. Trust me, I've seen him. I've seen the most seasoned church member not even be spiritual. I've seen people sit in a church for 50 years and never take residence. They just attend. In this hour, God's going, look, enough, enough. I need you to, I need you to buy in. I just need you to go all in. Just, you know what? Go, put everything on the table, sell it all out, and just buy in. But, but, but Pastor, that's scary. I know. 
I get it. That takes trust. Stop living. Mm. If you're going to be a resident and reside, you're going to have to stop living in everyone else's world and live in the one God's given you. Worry is created by immersing ourselves into something that has nothing to do with us. He didn't say live in everyone else's land. He said dwell in the land, the land he's given you. Take resident. Be content. He's given you everything that you need. Just dwell. Psalms 27 verse 4 says it like this. One thing that I have desired of the Lord, that, I am with, that will I seek, that I may dwell, take residence in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And if you really want to get some crazy moments, go home and read Psalms 27. And if that doesn't make you run, you need to lay hands on yourself and recover. Because Psalms 27 will make you want to run around the house because you'll finally find out how good God is in the midst of everything you walk through. If you can read Psalms 27 and go, I ain't get nothing. Man, you need to ask God to you repent. Because something's blocking you from hearing from God. Stop worrying. Stop dwelling everywhere else. Stop saying you want to be somewhere else and be where you are and trust God. And if he wants to move you, baby, he'll move you. Okay, listen, 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 listen. listen. I'm just going to say this with, with, with all love. He can move any of us. Any of us. The one thing I have always said as the pastor of this house in ministry my entire life that I do not make the calls. He does. I trust him in every step. And by trusting him makes me dwell. Take residence. That's where I'm at. Well, well what if? I'm not worried about the what ifs. I'm right now. He said dwell in the land. And this is the last part. And feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. He didn't say just reside in it, but feed, which means that he will feed you and sustain you while you dwell. You notice he didn't say prepare food. He didn't say go kill the fatted calf. He didn't say work for it. He said, I'll feed you if you choose to dwell. If you'll just dwell with me, I'll sustain you through every moment of your existence. And that's what happened. Watch, 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 watch. The word feed is defined as this, to take his food, to eat, to get satisfaction, support, etc. from. To eat, to get satisfaction. Are you satisfied with God or are you still asking him to do more? I came to this realization about three years ago that I needed to get to the place where I stopped asking God to do more than what he already done, did because he already did enough for me. So here's what I live in now. Here's how I live. You ready? Everything I get now is the lanyard of the goodness of God. Y'all going to miss this in a second. Because I am so content with salvation, I'm not worried about anything else. I'm so content with eternity, I'm good. So I don't run around and go, God, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. God, you've already done enough for me. I'm just here. I'm dwelling in your land. You said you're going to feed me. I trust you. And I know sometimes it looks scarce, but God, I know you'll make a way where there seems to be no way. No, God, I, I just trust you. I, I, you know, I, sometimes I don't understand. But maybe I'm not supposed to understand. Maybe if I understood, I would lack faith. Be careful that your desire for wisdom doesn't supersede your ability to walk by faith. 
Because so many times we try to become so wise, and I know that wisdom is the principal thing, and I, and I understand it, but that's wisdom of the things of God, not wisdom of the things of you. Uh, when I was a kid, my, uh, and, I, and I've heard this over the years, and, and my, my stepdad used to always say, you know, he would always hold that scripture, wives submit to your husband. And, and I used to tell my mom, I was like, he takes one piece here and takes a piece here and smacks it together and calls it the word. I'm like, how did, you miss the whole context. Wives should submit to their husbands. But it says husbands, it says but husbands, but Husbands. In other words, everything he said prior to that is contingent upon this one thing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means you are willing to die rather than gain. Okay, I just, uh, that was just, uh. Feed, he says feed, listen. Every time I come into my word time, every time I come into my prayer time, every time I come into my worship time, I come with a fork and knife. I don't even come with a spoon. You don't know why I come with a spoon? Because I'm not eating soup, baby. I'm getting meat. <laughs> you can't eat meat with a spoon, baby. You can if you're a carnivorous person, but I'm sure you can figure it out. But me, I need a fork and a good knife. Here I am, God. Let's go. When was the last time you came into the presence of God or walked into your time in the car walking, going to work or, or just spending some worship time that you came in prepared to eat? Because you know that if you dwell in the land, he's going to feed you. Which means by the time I leave this moment, I will be satisfied. It doesn't say taste test. It says feed. Fill up on. Be satisfied. Feed on his oh, faithfulness. Faithfulness is defined as the quality of being loyal and reliable. He said, feed on my desire to be loyal and reliable in your life. In other words, there is nothing that's going to happen that I'm not in the midst of. Don't worry. Sit down. Take your place at the table and dine on his faithfulness. And you'll break the worry when you're willing to die instead of tell everybody you're starving. When you feed on his faithfulness, you will be full of faith. Did you know that faith is the kicker of worry? It will beat worry down every time. God, I understand what it looks like. But you said you're faithful unto all generations. I'm in that. Your faithfulness to me increases me, my fullness of faith. So, God, whatever I see, I know you're bigger than. So I'm going to trust you in the process. And, God, I know what I want. I know what my flesh wants. But I really, in this moment, want more what you want than what I want. And so I have to tell my flesh to die so that you might live in me. So, God, in this moment, because I dwell in you, I dwell in your presence, that I'm going to trust that all I have to do is sit at the table and you prepare a place for me. If I will trust, invest in God, if I will dwell in the land that he's given me, I will never be hungry again. Ever. Ever. It says feed on his faithfulness. 
faith will always conquer your worries. So let me just give you these first three. I got more for you next week, so you're going to come back. Number one, starting this week, you're going to trust God. That means you're going to invest. Just give him a little bit of your time. Listen, I, 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 I grew up in the church where, man, if you can go to your prayer closet for three and a half hours, you're going to hell. God, that's not in the word. It says, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't put a time limit on it. He just said, come. So you know what, God, I'm going to trust. I'm going to invest in you this week. I'm going I'm to be consistent and committed to some time with you every day. Whether it's five minutes to work, whether it's you're on the toilet, I don't care. But find somewhere to invest, whether it's in your shower, whether it's, whether it's take a walk around the neighborhood. I, whatever you got to do, find a space to just have you and God and be willing to cut everybody off for that time. Don't, can I just say this to you? Do not take your phone to your investment time. The enemy will always send distractions to call you while you're investing. Always. Trust, invest in, dwell, take residence. Let the world know where you live. Let the world know where you live. And don't be ashamed of it. Make sure that they know. Make sure that everyone knows where you live. And feed. Be satisfied. Are you satisfied this morning? And I know I've given you three spaces that this week you're going to have to go work at. Because I, by the show of the beginning of this service, everybody was like, ah, that's me. When, when, when <laughs> y'all know my wife. My wife, well, if you, <laughs> I'm going to post a video of her one day during a Saints game. Y'all are all going to laugh. Because my wife is a crazy fan. And, um. And she's still bitter about last year, so I'm trying to get her through this year. And then Drew Brees gets hurt, and she's like, it's a conspiracy. The refs did it. And, and, and I'm like, babe, please breathe. Please breathe. Okay. And, and, and I'm having to tell her, like, babe, that, that's football. People get hurt. They did it on purpose. And babe, it's just, it's just football. It happens. Everybody gets hurt. People get hurt. It's, it's painful. It hurts. And, and, and I said, well, what are we going to do? Uh, and this was so, she first told me, she says, I'm not watching any more of the games. And I'm like, enjoy it. Because if it takes that much weight out of you, then it's, it's found the one thing it can do is rob you. She's like, you're right. And so we were talking about, she's like, we're going to watch the game. I said, heck yeah, we're watching the game today. Win or lose, we're still going to watch the game. Problem is, I'm not going to worry about it. This is what I understand sometimes. I don't understand how we can watch things and let it become so personal. How, how can we, how can, okay, let's take it out of football for a second. Yes, your daughter just called you out from across the room. I'll let you tend to her, mom, after service. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take away football for a second. Let's talk about just life. Why do we let what others do or have worry us? You, some of you are sitting in this room and Pastor, I'm, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about a family member. I'm worried about this or that or the other. Worry. This is just me. This is not biblical. This is not in your scriptures. This is what I believe. Worry is the separation between you and God. 
Because worry tells God he can't and you can't. So when, when things aren't right or, or, or kids are sick or, or, or your kids are run from God or they need a touch from the Lord or, or you're going through hardships in your marriage or your finances are dwindling or whatever the struggle is that you're dealing with or, or maybe everything's great in your life or though it seems and then you get hit by something or, or whatever it is. My trust in God and lack of worrying allows me to rest in Him. And the Bible says, those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect, perfect, perfect. That means nothing missing. Perfect peace. My wife asked me, she's like, well, you don't worry like I worry. You're right. I just try my hardest not to. I try to let it go because it's not going to win. It's not going to do anything for me to worry about it. But when I go, well, it's like this real quick. I, I go, we take my, my car, my wife's van to the shop, and we have the struts changed on it, which is not a cheap endeavor. And, and we have the struts changed, and they, they put the struts on wrong, and I have to go back here and back here and back here. My wife's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, babe, it's all right. And this is what I told her. I said, it's a car. It's a manufactured piece of material. Things don't always work the way you want them to. But I'm good. And I stayed consistent with it. And I stayed at peace in it. They fixed it this week. We're good. Then I got, I got a transmission that's going out of my truck. And I was like, when are you going to get it? When I get the money. Well, 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 what if it goes out? What if it goes out? You're going to see me walking down the street waving at you. In the hot sun. Why? Pastor, I wouldn't let you walk. Let me walk. I'm good. Maybe I need to walk a little bit. Maybe that's just God's way of making me walk. But see, see, all the things, see, this is the things people worry about. Pastor, you said your back's out. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Stop. What I told Pastor Janelle was in the church yesterday. I was here, and I was working, and and she's like, are you okay? I said, I'm going to be great tomorrow. I wasn't worried. I'm standing. Do do I look like I'm hurting? You know why? Because the anointing is so much stronger than my pain. So that's what I'm saying. It's like we're so worried about all these. How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to trust God? Do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his righteousness. And you will begin to break the worry in your life. I want you to commit this week to no worry. Nope. When you feel it coming, nope. Look at your spouse. Nope. Nope. We're not going to do it. There's two areas we're working on in our house. No worry and no complaining. Complaining creates worry. I'm just telling you, it's how it's, it's, it's like a domino effect. They start with your mouth and whatever the mouth speaks is created. Then you start living in that space of worry. Then worry comes fear. Then we're, okay. You want them to stop worrying? Trust God. Just trust God. And don't worry. Everybody stay with me. So here's how we'll close it real quick. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I, I've been worrying bad and I need to break this off of me. And you don't, you know, I've given you the pieces, but you need, you need freedom this morning. Well, I'm glad because you're in the right place because this is where God does his greatest works. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I am bound to worry. And I need to break this off of my life. If that's you in this place, will you just do me a favor, raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just say, that's me. Okay, if you raise your hand, come to the altar right now. Just come. 
Come on, you, you don't sit there like, oh God, he called me up front. I was going to call you out anyway. Just come on. Okay? Now, I'm going to say this real quick because I said who in here worries. A lot of y'all raised your hands. But you don't deem your worrying to their level. Nope, I nailed it. Well, my, I'm Pastor, I don't worry on their level. They, they worry a whole nother level than me. Any worry is worry. That's like saying a one lie is bigger than another lie. They're all the same. So if you worry at all and you want to be free, I believe God can deliver you today. Well, Pastor, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to pray. Amen. That's what breaks the shackles. Prayer. Prayer changes everything. So here's what I want you to do. Right where you stand, you're going to have to surrender. <laughs> Some of you will catch this one in a second. Just surrender. I give up. No, no. Don't, 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 don't keep them down here. Lift them suckers way up there. Just, ah. Because, man, this is, can I just be honest with you? This is half-massing God. This is full commitment. I can, I can feel it lifting right where you got your hands up right now. I feel it lifting right now. feel it lifting off of you right now. You're never going you're, you're gonna to stop this stuff. Repeat this with me. Say, God, today I bind the spirit of worry. I refuse to worry any longer. I commit to trust to dwell and to feed on the faithfulness of God. Today, I unlock the shackles that I've placed on myself, that I've hindered myself with, and kept myself from going to the next level in you. Today, I declare with authority my freedom, my liberty, my joy and my peace. No longer will I live with the spirit of worry, with the spirit of fear, with the spirit of anxiety, with the spirit of depression. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is nothing broken. There is nothing missing. I am the righteousness of my God. And today I declare and decree my freedom right now. I will not wait. I will not postpone. I'm getting it right now in Jesus' name. I can feel it letting go. I feel it letting go. I feel it letting go. Some of you are grabbing it. Some of you are just in the moment. I get it. But just grab it. Come on. You, you got to break this shackle. This is generational. Do you understand that? This is a generational monster. This is not just you. This has been rolling. You're about to break this off your kids in this moment. You're going to bind this off your grandkids, your great-grandkids. You're going to break the shackles of it right now. Say this with authority. I am not what they said about me. I got a little more. I got a little more because this is how we break them. That's how we break them. Father, Father touch, my eyes. touch my eyes. Help me to see, me to see the way you see, not the way I want to see. 
Help me to celebrate everyone's victories. Everyone's victories. Even my enemies. And help me to pray for those in need so that you and I might be in one. Woo, I can feel it. I feel it coming off. I feel it. I feel it. You might not feel it, but I feel it. One more. I will no longer be a worrier. I will be full of faith, residing in the land, trusting my God and feeding on his righteousness. Today, I'm free in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at me.